All right, uh, runners of the world or of Southeast Queensland, wherever you are, this is episode 22 of the um, Wire Run Racing News. And even though we've had quite a few months of, uh, of goat mania and goat looping and the like, we've got some racing news which we're going to be talking about. Kyle, you're with us again, it's coaching I'm from back. Squad Run. And uh, we're going to go through some big events. Scenic Rim Ultra, we're going to talk last one standing. We've got an interview with the race director, Andrew Boney, from uh, On the Edge Events, who did the Scenic Rim Ultra, so he's going to give us a bit of an insight. Um, I've also been in contact with a few people who did the race uh, to get their thoughts. So, uh, And we'll talk a little bit about the I – know I know Monaco isn't technically Queensland, but there are some similarities between the two. Oh, so um, we'll, uh, we might even have a quick mention about the phenomenal 5,000 metres that have been going on around the world. But uh, Kyle – Fresh from your track exploits, have you, have you become a yeah. track athlete now? What's happening? I think so. I think I've made the switch. Yeah. Full-time 800-meter runner. No, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. I. What have I been up to? I well, actually spent the last couple of days up in Brisbane, staying up in Brisbane. So I was up in enemy territory the last couple of days for a couple of runs, and I did a little workout around New Farm Park where the Burt Squad do all of their workouts. Were they there? Which was interesting. No one – well, I kind of slept in a few hours, but we had a few too many drinks the night before to get up at 5 o'clock for their session. So I got up at about – couple hours after them and ran the same morning um but i had to check out this loop i see them i see it on strava multiple times a week everyone running around this loop so i thought i'd go check it out and actually do a session on it but interestingly so according to strava this segment is exactly 900 meters long this loop now i don't know i don't know if any of them are going to be listening to this and can sell me whether they've actually measured it with a wheel how far this loop is but i was getting about 850 meters per loop on my watch so I did this threshold workout and I finished and just thought I felt like I ran a lot faster than what my watch told me. And I actually, because I ran in a anti-clockwise direction, I even put my watch on my left hand just to keep everyone happy, just to get an accurate reading so I wouldn't go fast. But I reckon it went way, I don't know what it was, but I reckon something's up with that loop. So I don't know if anyone's listening that runs around that loop or knows exactly how far that loop is. I'd be very interested to know. Where, anyway, did, it, where did it put you on this segment? I think that's the main issue here. Oh, what, yeah. were you... 150th? <laughs> no, <laughs> nowhere near the top. So that's the issue. It's your placing on the segment rather than what the actual distance is. Beautiful. There's something up with my watch. But anyway, that was my last couple of days. But other than that, I've been ticking along. I'm on holidays right now, so I'm actually getting to run a little bit more. So I've... Yep. It's been ticking off a few more Ks than you, which has been good. And yeah. that's about all for me. I think, what have you been I think, up to? I think the difference was, was it 6K last week? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. I guess, yeah, I think there's a couple of sessions you you held back and then you uploaded late Sunday. I, I think that's what's happened. But no, um, <laughs> but no, what's been happening? Uh, not much. Just, yeah, just building, 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 I guess now. Yeah, as most people would know, we'll talk a bit about it later on. But UTA has been, I guess, I guess almost shelved for – Queensland people. Um, so, uh, what are big changes? We've we've changed the Wednesday Walkers course, haven't we? Because um, we big can drama. no longer go. Yeah, huge drama. We can no longer go on the the rock wall at the Southport Spit, the Seaway. So we've now had to take that bit out. You know, run a little bit around a bit. But uh, maybe that's the reason why Ando hasn't been coming out. Who knows? But um, he hasn't been there to see the new course. So this morning was a bit of a. It's Wednesday. We're recording this Wednesday. This morning was a bit of a bush bash trying to find those 11 kilometres, which is our, what our Wednesday run has become. But, um, but no, just just really just just watching the watching everything unfold around southeast Queensland and just being in awe about what's actually been been going on. So it's been it's been great. All right, yeah. Let's uh, so let's jump into it. So the scenic rim ultra. Um, we'll go through the results here and we'll have a bit of a chat about it, and then 
Uh, we're just going to get Andrew Boney on the on the line here and have a bit of a chat to him and give us a few insights into it. So, Kyle, do you want to do you want to take us through the long course? One hundred and five, yeah, one hundred and five kilometers. And from what I've seen, it was actually one hundred and five kilometers this year. So, always handy. Very good. Very very good. So, in the females of the 100 kilometers. So in third place, we had Lauren Shea in a time of 19 hours and 30 minutes. Uh, second, we had Tamika Bell. She ran 17.28. And in first place, with a near four-hour win, we had Haley Teal running 13.34. That is a big win by Haley. So massive win and good performances all around by um, the ladies. And her, her placing was third overall. So it went the two know, male brilliant. winners and then... Haley and as Andrew says, in you know um, her her performance was just incredible. She's a, a local tambourine girl. She trains on the the west side of tambourine, and if anyone sees her on Strava, her elevation per week is just extraordinary. So um, yeah, no wonder she performed so incredibly out there. So well done to Haley on that one. And then in the men's race, we had a real interesting race up front with this one. It was quite a close race. So we had Trent Harding, who came third overall, uh, fourth overall, third male. He ran 13.59.34, so snuck under the 14-hour mark, which on that course is still a, still a really good run. And then we had the Battle of the Brads for the win in the 105K race. So I was kind of following this most of the day looking at the times and Brad Kiring got out to a bit of a lead early on and then there was a couple of sections in the second half that Brad Ed started to reel him back in by a couple of minutes and I thought this was going to be quite interesting to watch. But in the end, Brad Kiring held on for a 15-minute win. So Brad Ed ran 12.44 and Brad Kiring ran 12.29 to take the win. But that's a real – because that's – I think I saw Brad say that was almost – was it an hour and something faster than what he ran yeah. last year? Yeah, so that's incredible running by those two, and over a you know twelve and a half hours, don't to be fifteen minutes apart. That's mm. that's really good racing. So well done to Brad for holding on, and well done to Brad to stepping up. I think both of them actually stepped up in the last two weeks. They decided they were going to step up and do this hundred and five. Um, so to kind of step up with less than two weeks' notice to go from sixty five to one hundred and five, and then yeah, put on a performance like that. Very very impressive stuff from those two. Well, Brad Coring, of course, he paced uh, Troy Lethlin, didn't he, at um, BVRT. And Brad Ed's just done, the, of course, his 16 loops of the goat loop. So they're both fit. They're both fighting fit. But um, as I said, I've been messaging Hayley uh, Teal in the week just to get her thoughts on it. And she's just sent me a, a message that's come through. So I'd love to read it out to give people a bit of a view of, of the course. She says, the scenic rim is beautiful. And this course has some magnificent views and amazing ridgelines. It's tough. In fact, I would say this event was tougher than UTA, purely down to the steep terrain, uh, but it was worth every wow. step. I would say this course is raw, rugged, and rustic with so much nat- natural beauty. So that's huge kudos, isn't it? For, it's a big to, call. Yeah, to say this event is tougher than UTA. And then you look at the times. And, you know, I think Brad Coring last year at UTA, I think he went about 12 hours or something around that, either just under or just over. So you can see there that, you know what Haley said is is absolutely true. He's he's run a bit slower than UTA. Um, you know, judging, I don't know what his fitness level was like compared to there, but he's certainly fit at the moment. So, um, yeah, and I've heard a few people say that descent at the end as well was was particularly tough. Um, I have heard that as well. It did not yeah. sound like it was what you wanted at the end of a hundred and five kilometer race. No, not at all. And um, so we, let's go through now the sixty five kilometer race. Uh, let's go through the females first of all. So Mary Mather came in at uh, 12 hours, 22 minutes. 
Uh, Debbie Gilchrist in second, 12 hours 17. So close there, only five minutes. And Eve Leneau, the uh, queen of the goat loop. The queen of the goat loop has taken out her first ultra uh, victories, 11 hours and three minutes. So obviously the goat, well done, loop, Eve. The goat loop training's done her well there, mate. So, Absolutely um, it has. We'll take a bit of credit for that. We'll take a bit of credit. Goat mania. Goat mania has, has led her towards that charge. Um, and then in the males race, this is one that we were quite excited about as well because we knew quite a few in it. Um, and although we probably – most of us sort of had a predicted first, it was going to be interesting to see what happens sort of behind in the minor places. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just – can I go back to fifth here because it's close. Yeah. Really close. It. it is very close. So Sam DeMoody, um, 7 hours 33 in fifth. Peter Carey, 7 hours 28 in fourth. Jack Gill, 7 hours 16 in third. So, I mean, look at that. That's – what, seven, 17 minutes between third, fourth, and fifth. And I know speaking to Jack, he was a finished man. He said at 42K, 43K, he started to cramp up. So I don't know how, how quickly Peter and Sam were closing on him in the later stages, but um, I think Jack was very happy to get third. Uh, second was Henry Coombs, seven hours and two minutes. And then I, they sort of ran together for the middle section, I believe. Um, okay. And then Henry sort of went away from Jack at about that 40K, 40, 45K mark. Um and then first place, the uh, how do you describe him? The the immovable, the unbreakable, the unbeatable. Tom Brimelow. He's unbeatable. No one can beat him. Six hours and twenty minutes. So he's won by forty two minutes there, which is uh, an amazing That's... performance. Absolutely incredible performance from Tom. Um, you know, but all the guys and the and the girls who placed in those in those positions, because as we said, it's it's been given some kudos in the last couple of days with how tough that that course actually is. Um, and knowing Eve and her brother Maddie. Uh, who I said I used to play football with, and you know they're lovers of the goat loop. Um, also been e- e- you know, messaging Eve through the week, and she sent me a message as well. So I'd love just to read out what she talked about. Um, I want to read out what she said about the checkpoints, which I think is great because I've seen some okay. photos of the checkpoints and the people who man the checkpoints. And we know as you know ultra runners ourselves that the volunteers and the people who do these checkpoints they are such such a big part of it, and they lift you so much and. She said all the checkpoints and volunteers were fantastic, but my favourite was the cow-themed checkpoint. So I've seen a, I've seen a few photos of that. So I, and she said I loved running down the hill, trying to work out what I was seeing. Adults in cow onesies, such friendly and helpful people. So I'm not sure what what you know part of the course that was, but anything, mate, anything that puts a smile on your face in an ultra has got to be worth it. And you know when I first started doing you know ultras and trail running, I didn't really understand how important those checkpoints are and how important the people in the checkpoints are and you know the wackiest and the craziest of dress-ups like she said there if there's a checkpoint full of people dressed in cow onesies it's at least going to make you smile it's got to make it's you a smile. Good aid station. that's exactly what you need when you're that far into an ultra or you'd walk in going i think i'm at the point where i'm hallucinating because you go why is there everyone in cow suits that could potentially be the point that's, but no, that's that's, right. it is cool very very cool yeah, that they um, do that she also said the last ascent and descent certainly made us work for it where she said it made her think that she was in one of the obstacle course races, which I know Eve and Maddie do a lot of. So, um, but she said the the views from the ridgeline made the whole day worthwhile. It was absolutely gorgeous. So um, thanks Eve for sending that through. It's great to, it's great to get the, uh, the thoughts and the reflections of people who are actually in the race as well. So, um, so yeah, so we'll put, uh, we'll put our little interview that we just did with Andrew in uh, right now. So you can hear from the race directory, share some good, so I guess some behind the scenes things that you don't really know about and how much work he's put into actually creating this event 
um, and his hopes for the future. And also, I found it interesting, Kyle, when we talked to him, he mentioned where the, I guess, the inception, where the idea from this event came from and yeah. which race overseas he's trying to model this on, which I thought was was brilliant and, um, you know, well worth it. So, yeah, have a bit of a listen to uh, our quick chat that we had with uh, with Andrew Boney from On The Edge Events. All right, so, uh, Andrew, thanks for joining us. Andrew from uh, On The Edge Events after a phenomenally successful um, ultra on the weekend, the second time you've run the Scenic Rim Ultra. So, um Thanks for giving us your time. First of all, we'd love to know just your general thoughts about the day, how the day actually went from a race director point of view and from a, uh, a participant point of view. Hi, guys. How are you going? Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, the day was um, was a, definitely a success from a competitor's point of view. Um, I'm very particular on how I like things to go. Um, so from a race director's, yeah, there's lots of things that we uh, can improve on uh, for next year and make it um, – just flow a little better from the back end of it, um, but from the competitors, the the comments that we've had um, have been outstanding. So that's the main thing that their experience was fantastic and they enjoyed it. So yeah, very happy with it. Um, the weather wasn't on our side um, for the start, but it cleared up to be a perfect um, sort of evening night. Um, and then the next day, the Sunday morning, we had the 25K, which was absolutely beautiful weather. Um, so, so um, yeah, because, I mean, last year you had a, a really hot day, didn't you? Um, yeah. So this year was a lot better for you. And what was the thoughts behind putting in the 25K on the Sunday? Because that was a new addition from last year. Oh, I've just noticed a few other races doing the same. Um, and we sort of wanted people that not necessarily want to do the ultra yet, but we thought, why don't we do a leading event that gives people an experience of the course? And then it's something that they might go, you know what, I can tackle the 65. And then it sort of leads into it. Um, and because I love the course so much, I just wanted other people to experience that part, especially the last 25K, which is the, you know, it's the breaker. Um, as I call it, and um, it was good to put some new um, legs on that. Um, we had a lot of um, road runners come <laughs> and join in, and that was quite an experience to see their opinions of going into something very technical um, at the end. But um, that was a huge success. So um, I think we've conver- converted quite a few road runners over. So that was the goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kyle and I and and Henry a couple of weeks ago, you, you know, pretty sore on Strava. We went out and did the loop of doom because we wanted to know what it was all about. And um, oh man, what, what actual distance? What point in the in the long one is that actually? Is it about seventy k, or is it earlier or later than that? Um, it's about sixty. Um, yeah, because they come. Yeah, it's about sixty because they once they've done the loop loop of doom, they get back to QMP, which is about. Uh, 80, yeah, so it's sort of, yeah, from about 60, 55 to 80. So it's a, it's in a it's in a point of the course where, I, you know, most people don't really want it there. <laughs> but uh, uh, I can only imagine because I said to the guys when we drove up there or drove out there that the only time I'd been on that loop was when we drove it. Well, that was almost two years ago now where he took us up that. And all I could remember driving up it was just how long it took to drive up it. And I thought there's no way I would want to run up this thing already an ultra into a 100k race so we got to see that firsthand on fresh legs and it was hard enough on fresh legs so everyone that went up that was absolutely incredible but i suppose andrew what were your 
I suppose we normally see the results from kind of like say first in all the races or anything, but was there any kind of standout performances you saw on the day that other people may not have heard about or seen, whether it was competitors or volunteers or just, you know, pretty awesome things that people did on the day? The standout performance was Gary Rogers. Everyone knows Gary Rogers. He finished at 105. Um, last year he tripped over, hurt himself and couldn't continue because of uh, complications with his arms and the chance of infections and things. But this year he finished it. Um, and that was like, I don't think you guys, I've got to take you guys on the last 25 sometime, but it's technical. The downhill at the end, you've got like, you know, to me, you've got to, you've got little rock drops that you've got to put your hands on. He did that all on feet, on foot. Um, and I, uh, you know, I wasn't concerned, but it was his. It was in my thoughts about him all the night because I just knew for the you know any able body person, it is tough, and he just blew me away. Um, to me, that that guy is just a machine, and that guy has you know something that a lot of guys wouldn't have just to put, you know to to push through it and hit the challenges and get through them um, and. You know, running across the line, it was like we were cheering and um, it was pretty emotional because I was so happy for him to finally see him get the cowboy hat, which he was, you know, really, really wanted to get. So as in a, you know, general, yeah, that was the most outstanding um, performance that I can sort of put it down to, yeah. We've spoken to a lot of the, obviously, the guys that did quite well up the front and pretty much all of them said that that was their standout performance of the day of what they thought as well just having done the course and then knowing that he did that um is absolutely incredible so i think i 100 percent agree with you that's probably one of the most impressive things we've seen for a while and um which 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 event uh andrew when you were following the leaders which one were you kind of watching with the greatest amount of interest um i guess out of the four categories you know like the 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 long course male female and the the 65k uh, male female which out of those four was I guess sparking your interest through the day the most? Um, the 65 had a lot of, you know, fast, you know, guys up the front um, and they're all pretty close. So that was that was very interesting to watch because I put a on the Friday night at the briefing, I put it on Tom. I said to him, oh, I've got something special if he breaks seven hours and he annihilated it. So, <laughs> um, and he's got more in it, like, he, it's it's a yeah he, he just blew me away so the 65 was definitely to see what that course could produce and the times that they could do it you know with two and a half thousand elevation um, with the technical ridge lines you know this year we went up Mount Joyce so we added the ridge line on Mount Joyce which again was a climb and technical um, but and then again my favorite you know I really liked the 105. Two, um, so it was good to see you know Brad and Brad all day. They were ten minutes, and and then it was funny. The the um, we had Haley, um, Haley Teal was in third place, and at points she was catching them. So that was exciting too. So it was actually quite. I'm trying to keep up with both sides because I wanted to know. And then before I knew it, here comes Tom over the coming down and I'm like, what, 620? My goodness. Um, so, yeah, but definitely, you know, the 65 had a lot of um, spark in it for sure. Um, but, you know, yeah. Um, 
I, I think as soon as you put any kind of challenge into Tom's mind, he just he just takes it away, doesn't he? I remember running around here with Henry and Tom a couple of weeks ago, and I said to Tom, I don't think you can run up that hill. And before you knew it, off he goes. So I think, yeah, putting a challenge like that before him is the is the best way to get a result from him. So it's it's funny you mentioned Hayley because I've been messaging Hayley Teal in the week um, just to get her thoughts on the day. And she actually said that she thinks it's a tougher course than UTA. So that's a huge compliment for, uh, for the scenic rim ultra to get those kind of comments coming in. Oh, I, I had a few people say that. There was more than just Hayley. Um, I was blown away. Um, you know, for me... I've always wanted to create a hard rock type event um, or a, or equivalent to the Alpine Challenge. Um, and funny enough, that was the Alpine Challenge was my first hundred I did, and I it just absolutely blew my mind. And um, I went, you know what? That's what Queensland needs needs something that really challenges it more than just a you know necessarily a fast you know course. So. Um, that's what sparked my interest, and and to get that, yeah, look, I'm I'm stoked because that was the goal, um, and um, yeah, it seems to be um, heading that way. Mm. Um, so, Andrew, I suppose another thing we want to touch on as well, kind of off the back of that as well, is what do you think makes Scenic Room different from others? Because obviously, there's a lot of trail and ultra marathon races, not only in Southeast Queensland but around the country at the moment. So, what have you kind of done with the event that you think sets it apart from others? The biggest thing that I looked for was the the views, the you know the terrain, the ridge lines, the mountains that we do have. Even though they're not sort of mountains like Europe, but we do have some cool, you know, smaller mountains um, that it, that are around that area. But it's the the fact that you get a three sixty degree view around that area, and you're constantly, you know, climbing um, and. And not just that, but that bush setting, you know, having the bush setting with the farmland, running through cattle, over fences, um, you know, you got dingoes, you got wild pigs. Um, lots of yes, exactly, camels. <laughs> <laughs> You've sort of got everything. And I, and that, that was the thing that I think sets it apart. Um, but... The fact that you sort of you do run in this circular motion around, which is basically up and down ridge lines the whole way. You're constantly up and down, up and down, um, and yeah, that and and the scenery is just unreal. It's just next level. Um, so I, I think you know you sort of get you know coastal fifty has that beautiful scenery coming into Numanbar Valley. That's always stood out for me, and I think people really respond to that. And then, you know, you're hurting, but you're running along and you're looking down and you can see Wyaralong Dam and, you know, it just it's just that 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 sort of constant visual sort of thing that keeps you going um, in the course. And, um, and, you know, the fact that a lot of the course, you know, at least 25 to 30 kilometres is, is on trail that I've created. Um, there was never a trail there. Um, and it was just a matter of creating what I wanted and then, um, I think that makes it a lot different. It's just never, no one's ever run that part of the scenic rim. It's just never been touched. Um, and now we've got a, you know, a, a trail that, um, that, you know, I've talked with the landowners and, you know, they're keen to open it up, you know, to be, you know, uh, yeah, something that um, we can sort of work with and organise some, you know, and have people, you know, throughout the year 
training on it, experiencing it and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Andrew, if you, if, you know, I've talked to a couple of people I ran with Jack Gill this morning who came third in the 65K and he said that it hurt him bad. He's never hurt like that before. So, um, yeah, those mountains, they've taken it out of the best the best in sort of southeast Queensland. And, uh, but he had a smile on his face. He had a smile on his face while he was telling the story. So it's good pain. Um, but just one more thing before we wrap this up. So what's, what's next for the scenic rim and on the edge events? You've got one more short course race coming up. Yeah. So we've got um, the Swan Gully um, round, which is again hilly, <laughs> lots <laughs> of climbing. I think it's a thou- almost, oh, it's about 900 in the. 16k so it's you know um and um so that's our last one for the year and then we've got a few mountain bikings as you know we do mountain biking events as well um so we've sort of got a few of those um but we've got a secret one we're working on in Tam- uh, up at Toowoomba we're working on a, a run up at Toowoomba um up at Picnic Point um and we're working with the council to get that going that you know, it's not going to be as technical like a lot of the scenic rim trails, but it still um, sort of goes up and down the range a little bit, um, and it's a it's a looped course. Um, so the the long course is fifteen k's where you'll do three loops. Um, so it's quite it's very good for spectators um, and things like that. So that's the one we haven't launched yet, um, just because we're waiting on permits and things. But it, it looks like it's going to go ahead. Um, so that's a new one we're looking at, yeah. And um, and a few little changes every year will happen with the scenic rim. Um, just to every, you know, this year you find little bits that you need to fix and make it better. Um, and um, and so you'll see slight differences, but we've pretty much got the course, you know, 95% set. So um, we're happy with it now. Mm. Well, yeah, I think we can both agree with everything you've said there, Andrew, that you've got some pretty amazing events out there. And like you said, I don't think there's many race directors around that can say that they've built half half of their courses on one of their races. So that's pretty impressive that you've done that. But we just want to thank you for obviously giving us your time to come on and talk to us about your events because I think everyone's pretty excited for what you've got coming in the future as well. So thanks for getting up your time and, and chatting to us about the race. No, awesome, guys. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, getting the word out about the one of the hardest trail runs in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. All So, uh, yeah, as we said, big thank you to Andrew there. Hope you enjoyed hearing the uh, the thoughts of a race director. We don't often get to speak to them as a huge amount, but we're going to try to as these races start to happen a bit more. I think it's great to get inside the, uh, I don't know, is it the genius? Is it the craziness? Is it the, the craziness of a race director? And race directors. It's, you know, I guess when we, when we said to him, like, it's, it's people are saying it's a bit like UTA. You don't want to make it too hard, but you don't want to make it too easy. Finding that Goldilocks zone, that just right, that day which which su- supplies enough torture, but enough happiness for ultra runners to say, you know what, I'm in absolute pain, but I want to be back again. So um, I know yeah. he's done a good job of finding that sweet spot. I think. Yeah, but uh, Kyle, let's let's jump over. Last one standing. Yes, the big event. What an event! What an event! I love yeah. these events. They're something different. I like they just. There's nothing like it. Yeah. And what an event this turned out to be. So obviously in the lead up to this, we knew a few people that were going to be going up and, and having a run in this. But I, like personally myself, was interested to see how Ryan Crawford was going to back up after only three weeks ago doing the 200-miler, the Brisbane Valley Rail Trail. So that was someone I just thought, 
you know, obviously I work with people every day, a lot of runners as well, and see them kind of going through injuries and things like that. And me just going, how has his body still staying together after what he's done? And we'll go into what he's done written soon. But what an event. I was excited to see that. But also just the amount of people that were doing it that just, you know, they're not necessarily your elite runners or anyone that wants to go out and try and win this race, but they just want to challenge themselves to something a little bit different. And like I said, there's nothing like this type of race. I don't know how you train for it. I don't know what you do to train for it. I wouldn't know how I would train for it. But it was just going to be something a bit different. And it's always fun to follow along in these events. And I think these are the events where we lose track of just how much time they're out there for. I feel like I watch this event and it gets to the first afternoon and I'm like, oh, there's people dropping out already. We're only at lap 14. Like, what are they dropping out for? And you kind of forget that, you know, they're coming up to 100 kilometers already and they've been out there for 14 hours. Time just seems irrelevant in these in these races and we kind of lose perspective of what everyone's doing. But a race that you can follow along for more than a day is, is pretty incredible. So we had some pretty amazing performances as they are every year. And I think the interesting thing with these races is that it is even between generally the males and females. There's not necessarily a, a male and female category because especially in the in the big races when you look at the, the, the most loops ever run, it's fairly even between the males and females. And, you know, obviously there's a new YouTube video that came out recently of last year's World Championship Backyard Ultra over in America, which was won by a female, which yeah. was really cool to see. So any races like this where it's, you know, an even playing field, um, you get a chance for the ladies to beat the men is always is always fun and interesting to watch. Um, but yeah, run us through kind of some of the big performances for the day. Yeah, and before I go into that, I think you're right. You do lose track of time, don't you? Because I was uh, enjoying a couple of days away at the Sunshine Coast, and you go out for breakfast, grab a coffee, sit on the beach for a bit. Three hours ago, past, and you come back and you think, far out, they've, they're, they're going. They've just done three more loops, and then you go out for lunch, don't you? Or you, you know, you you go to the shops or whatever, and seven or eight hours passes, and you think they're still going. Like when you actually sit back and you put it into perspective, how long these people are going for. Um, Absolutely extraordinary. Incredible. So, um, and as you said, Courtney DeWalter has taken this sort of idea by storm, hasn't she? Does she have, does she, we were talking about this the other day in a, in a running group. Does she have the record? Is it, is it up to 60 laps? I think she was, it's, she was one off. She came second the year she did the, the world championships yeah. to one of the European guys. And it was something, it was something around 62 or 63 laps that those two went for, which is just absolutely insane you know, more than two and a half days of constantly running every hour. So, you know, it's more than 200 miles, 250 miles, more than 250 miles. So that's just incredible to, to think how much these people are running. Um, but it's also really cool to then be able to compare everyone, I suppose, around the world for these races because although the courses do vary a little bit, um, generally they're fairly flat. There is some of these events that are quite hilly, which would be a much more challenging one. But I actually think if I did one of these, I'd almost want it to be somewhere that either has a little bit of trail or a little bit of up and down and rolling. I think trying to do this somewhere that is dead flat would almost be a lot harder. And I know the one that these guys did was pretty flat with a couple of out and backs. And I think for me, watching what the Weather World Championships is over in America, there is quite a bit of trail in it. I think that would almost be better. I don't know what you think about that, but for me, I think having that breaking up the course, something a little bit different, you'd keep you sane at least a little bit for the first 10 hours anyway. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, let's go through a couple of things here then. So, uh, well, the big two. So Ryan Crawford ends up winning, doesn't he, in 37 laps. Cam Munro, 36 laps. And I don't know, again, you, you, um, Facebook and social media is such a great thing because we got to see, didn't we, we got to see the video of when Cam actually – 
I don't even know the word for it. You know, forfeited. I don't know. Is it forfeited? That's a bit harsh, but whatever the word is. Well, I suppose it is. He gave we, up. Let's not sugarcoat it. He yeah. gave up. We, we got to see that moment, didn't we? That, no. <laughs> we got to see that moment where, where Cam actually... I guess gave the gave it away and said I can't go anymore. It's that was captured on video. I think Alan was capturing it then. Um, but for those of you who haven't seen it, basically Cam comes in after 36 laps um, with three minutes to spare, I think, and they both get and obviously back into the starting corral, which you have to be. The 30 second call went out, um, and I think then there was a 10 second call. I think Alan basically says there's 10 seconds to go, and then he turns to Ryan, basically gives him a high five, gives him a hug, and says I'm done. And and with no time to spare or wait, uh, apparently Ryan just sort of said to him, "Mate, you're you're a legend, bro." And then he had to turn and run his final and last lap. Um, so there was no kind of hanging around or waiting around or waiting on ceremony or anything like that. Ryan just sort of had to go. Well, you know, it's a ten second call. Bang, Cam gives it up. You're a legend, bro. Gives him a hug, high five, and then Ryan off he goes. And there was a little comment in the Facebook feed which said Ryan on when he was out there on that last lap said, "Let's see." If we can push this out, um, and he does, doesn't he? He flogs himself on that rail. He was absolutely flying as well. They said every. I know we spoke about last yeah. year. Well, that's what we spoke about last year. These, these times, if he was trying to go out and run thirty-five minute laps, and everyone last year said, "Oh, look what he's doing! Like, why would you do that?" Yep. That's why he pulled out earlier last year. It didn't go, you know, through to the last couple. But he did the exact same thing this year, and by all reports, he was actually going a little bit quicker on some laps. And he looked like he could have just kept going quicker and quicker. He looked like he was nowhere near finished. Yeah. Between 32 and 36 minutes per lap, every single lap of those 37 was like that. And I think someone said to me this morning at our Wednesday run, can you imagine what that does to someone? Like him and Cam are together for the last six laps from 30 to 36. Can you imagine what that does to Cam when when Ryan's putting, what, potentially 15, 20 minutes into him every single lap because the last one he only comes in with three minutes to spare so let's say he's running 56 57 minutes that means ryan's putting 20 odd minutes into him like that that must destroy your soul like how do you how do you beat that even like how do you that's also the thing i think that's the beauty of the event though in that it doesn't matter like the fact that ryan's got to then stand there and cam can just walk up after taking 20 longer 20 more minutes even though you know he'd probably prefer to get it done a little bit quicker yeah and they just have to start at the same time ryan has finished so much earlier and then stand there and wait for him to finish to go again i think it could be pretty frustrating both ways depending on how you look at it but yeah it's it's an interesting concept i don't know what it would feel like to be part of that and whether you'd prefer to be trying to push the race like smash these laps out or take your time i have no idea but both of them, like, incredible performances, Cam and Ryan. Yeah. So um, I think Chris Murphy was the – what they call him, the second loser, don't they? Chris Murphy did 30 laps. So he was third in 30 laps. And then, um, yeah, Cam Munro, 36 laps. Ryan Crawford, 37 laps. Now, did Cam – was Cam runner-up last year as well? Yeah, I think he was. Yep. To Kevin Jeez. Muller, I think. <laughs> Kevin, that, was, that was a year ago. It's gone quick. But, yeah. Cam, like Cam's been around for a while and done a lot yeah. of races. That's still incredible running. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing out of this that you're always kind of left with the the question of, well, how far could have the winner gone? Yeah. Like Ryan looked pretty good and how quick he was getting those laps done. He looked like he was nowhere near finished considering he was still running, you know, mid 35 minutes per loop. Easily. Yeah, that's the hard thing about these races is, well, he wouldn't have known how long he could have gone for given that he didn't get the chance. If you want to try yeah. and go for 50 laps, you need someone that can do it with you. You can't do it by yourself. So it's interesting, but he did enough to win and on the day. That's all he needed to do, but I reckon he could have gone for a lot longer. And here's an interesting fact. So he does 37 laps. Let's round that to seven kilometers just for the sake of easy math. So that's about, what, 250 
kilometers, 250 to... He did post the manual upload because Strava couldn't cope with his file that he tried to upload. Right. I saw him, yeah, this, him this post, my, so he did. Yeah, this is my point. He does 250-odd kilometers in 37 hours. Now, BVRT was 320 kilometers, wasn't it, in, what was his finish time, 40 eight hours 49 which is is exactly what they would do in last one standing it's 100 miles per 24 hours so he's already done technically the same distance in 48 at bvrt so he's on the same pace as he was for bvrt with all that downtime on each of the laps which is incredible like you know so theoretically he could have done he could have run bvrt in exactly the same way and still won it with a rest every yep. with a rest every seven kilometers, so that would be an interesting way to attack a two hundred mile race. Well, I don't, I don't know. Um, here's one. Uh, here's one little side nugget of information which I found on um, the AAA Racing. It says Ryan Crawford's wife Michelle, at the same time as Ryan was running, was also caring for a baby possum, and she waited for <laughs> RSPCA to come and look after it. So um, one husband's <laughs> out there tearing it to bits, and the other and his wife is there just caring after the uh, next generations of Australian animals. How great's that? How good! A little interesting fact. Yeah. How good is that? Um, but no, the other thing I wanted to talk because like we're going to go into this with Ryan because hey, we mentioned him pretty much every episode on this podcast, and yeah. he seems to just be doing stuff all the time. I went and had a look at how much he's been running this year. Yeah. So so far this year, he's done seven thousand seven hundred and twenty-two kilometers, and that works out to be an average of two hundred and thirty-four kilometers a week for this entire year, which is just I can't really wrap my head around those numbers. That's yeah. That is just incredible, incredible running. It's what thirty three k's a day, yeah, for the whole year. It's, it's pretty incredible running, and it's not like he does it over five runs a day or does it slow. He's running fairly quick, once a day almost every day. It's absolutely insane. And just to go through some of the results he's had in the last twelve months, so Blackall winner last year, hundred k, got the course record as well. Um, he had podiums at, at Biwa, the night and day marathons, uh, and victories at wild horse races as well up the Sunshine Coast. He won the Cooks Tour, 80 kilometres. He won the Caboolture Historical Village Marathon, won BVRT, 200 miler, has just won the last one standing. He's got the Brisbane Trail Ultra coming up, as we said, so that's going to be great to see because we know that um, Kieran O'Brien potentially could be in that and maybe... We've been waiting for that battle, haven't we? We've been waiting for that battle for almost yeah. a year, those two to race each other. So, so I hope um, it happens. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's, he's got to be the stand. I mean, him from the male point of view, him and Tom Brimelow, the the two, aren't they? Really, in in southeast Queensland. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So absolutely. Um, now, someone said to me this morning. Interesting. You might be able to help me out on this because I've done no research on this today. Is Lazarus talking about a world championship where you are representing a country? And it's all done virtually online in their own countries, and they all start together online. Have you heard anything about this? I have not heard about this, no. But I like the idea. So I think that would be very. Interesting. You know, the Australians would race here, Japanese and Japan. You, you do it in your own country. But then someone, uh, someone mentioned this morning as well about it that once the last one standing in that particular country finishes, then that would be the end of that race. The winner would not be allowed to continue. And his re- oh. his reasoning behind it was, he says, unless you can look next to you and see the the emotion in the person's eyes who is standing next to you, then the whole concept of the race disappears. So he wouldn't allow, you know, a single runner to be survive in Japan, a single runner in Russia, a single runner in Australia, and for them to keep running against each other. It would be once once the the team, once the Australian team is finished, they're finished. 
So you need interesting. I you like need it. So it's a team to, concept yeah. for this whole last man standing. Yep. So you want everyone to go as far as possible. Yep. I like that. Now I have I got, I've like got no idea about dates or times or when this is think or this is possible. This might even be completely fabricated and made up, but uh, a good was, idea if it is. Uh, well, exactly. I was told about it this morning. I thought that's great. He's just he's a genius, isn't he, Lazarus? He just comes up he with is. these things. So um, yeah. So let's let's move on to a few other things now, because you are the track superstar at the moment. Do you wanna? Do you want to talk us through a little bit about that Monaco in 5,000? Talk us through that. So I I had kind of heard in the days and weeks leading up to this that there was going to be a few fast times attempted. Um, so this was on in the early hours of Saturday morning here. Um, and there was a 5,000 female race. There was the 5,000 male race. There was a couple of shorter ones, 1,500 and 800s as well. But the two ones that I was probably the most interested in were the two 5,000 races. So in the females, there was talk that a couple of the runners were going to try and go for the world record potentially. Um, But then also Jessica Hull for Australia was probably looking at potentially going close to the Australian 5,000-meter record, which was 1446 or 1447 um, that Benita Willis had. So that was kind of what I was interested in the most. And in the male side, there was talk that Joshua Cheptegei was going to go for the 5,000-meter world record of Kenanisa Bikili, which has been around for, I think, 18 years, 2002, 2004, yep. whatever year he said that, and it hasn't been really touched. No one's gone too close to it since. Um, so I had to get up and watch it. It was about 4.30 that I got up to watch these races. Um, but in the females one, Jessica Hull ran 14.43 to take three and a half seconds off the Australian record. Um, and I, from what I heard as well, it was only, I think, her third or fourth 5,000-meter race ever. Wow. So not a bad not a bad time to run in your fourth 5,000-meter race. Okay. And knowing the speed she's got from the shorter races, I think, and there's a lot of talk that she'll go even quicker than that. So incredible running in the 5,000 and the female world record didn't get broken as well. So that still stands. And I think it's around 14, 11, 14, 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very quick. And then in the male one, this was really cool to watch. So the plan was that I don't think anyone thought anyone was going to really go with Joshua Cheptegei at you know, 12.37 pace, which was the previous world record. Um, he had three paces. One of them lasted 1K. One of them got through till about, I think it was 1.8 or 2Ks. Um, and then Australian Matthew Ramston actually was supposed to pace him the furthest, and he took him through to 2.4Ks. Um, so to put it into perspective, they were running – at 231 per kilometer pace so that probably puts it into perspective for people just how fast these guys are running 231 pace it's 60 and a half seconds per lap on the track so i think i've seen a few people post you know go down to your local track and just try and run a lap in 60 seconds and you'll get an appreciation for how fast they were trying to go um and his they also have posted his splits recently of every lap and every lap was pretty much on the money um, and the other really cool thing, which has been at a couple of more low-key track events, was they actually had lights around the inside of the track, which were pa- which were basically showing exactly where the world record split was. So you could see where he was at compared to the world record. Hey, what's, the, really, okay, what's, what's, what's your opinion of this? What, what do you think? I like it. Yeah, well, I like it. Because, it. well, not only that, well, I suppose it's a free pacer for the runners. Um, other than the drafting, it helps that. But I think it's it's like the same thing they do with the swimming. They put the line in the pool and you can see where the world record is and everyone's watching it. And it's, you know, if someone's way out in front, it's then turns into a race between them and the line. Um, and I think that adds so much more like, you know, you think back to all the big swimming events you've watched where world records get broken and you're watching that line the entire race. And that's almost what adds to it the most. And this kind of gave it the exact same feel 
that you could see exactly where that world record was and where he was versus if that wasn't there, no one really knows. You can kind of work out where he roughly is, but I thought that added a whole other element to it that made every lap interesting versus just waiting for them to call out what his splits were. Um, right. So, so let me. So you get this right. You like it from a viewing point of view, from a spectator point of view. Is that what you're saying? Yep. But what about from a running point of view, from an actual racing like point it. of view? I have no problem with it. I know it's like I suppose it's they can put it on whatever pace they want, but I don't have a, I don't have an issue with that okay. at all. Do you, do you do you think they would use it at a major event like the Com Games or the Olympics? I don't think they'll use it at champion. I don't think they'll use it at championships. But I think for these type of events where they're trying to run fast. I don't necessarily have an issue with it. Like the runners know exactly where that spot is anyway. Like I don't think it changes them and it's not like they get a performance advantage from knowing where that is. Like they're allowed to wear a watch, which would tell them the same thing. It's not like they've banned wearing watches in track races. Like Joshua Chepty guy wore his GPS watch to run that 5,000 meters on the track. Like if you weren't going to allow that, you wouldn't allow them to wear watches to know where they're at. There's a clock at every 200 meters so they can get their split so yeah it just kind of does the math for them i don't think it, and it's no it's not like there's someone running and jumping in to pace them to give them a, a drafting advantage so i think it's brilliant i think it, if it helps the runners run quicker it just saves them looking at their watch a little bit i don't have a problem with it i don't know i'm on the fence man you know like i i understand that i guess i you know the, the watches and the clocks and things like that and these guys are professional athletes so they can tell the difference between a 60 second and a 61 but there's, and it was great viewing. Don't get me wrong. It's wonderful to see that. But I don't know. Part of long distance running and part of endurance running is the ability to pace and to be able to get that pace perfectly. And as I said, a second is a long, long way at this speed and at this course. And for me, if you miss time, you kick, or if you miss time a lap, or if you don't concentrate enough because, you know, in the middle laps and you fall off a second, to me, that's part of it. And I think those lights kind of take that away a little bit um so i don't know i'm, a, I'm a, i think it only i think it only becomes relevant when they're going for times though like i don't think it takes it takes the racing away like if there was people with him he would have been watching them not the lights like yeah. i think it's only going to be those times like if you're going to take away that thing then you wouldn't allow paces or now gps yeah. watches if it was a test on how well your pacing was then they'd have to take away all the timing things and everything yeah. so i don't really i don't think it changes that I, I get what you're saying that it kind of takes away from it a little bit but it's no different than, you know, what if someone like the female, for example, well, what about if someone, you know, wants to break 15 minutes for 5K and they get a 14-minute 5K runner to run with them and yeah. just run the exact splits yeah. like when I ran you in your 3K or 5K? Yeah. What's yeah. the difference? No, I, I was basically I, your lights. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of like I think about it for one minute. I'm like, no, I love it. And then I think about it for another minute and I go, yeah, but there's things on the other side. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is technology, isn't it? And if it if it makes people run faster, and if and you know, then I think we we have to embrace it. And like I said, I, I don't think they would have it at Worlds and to the Olympics and things like that. And it doesn't affect, yeah, the racing and the true racing. But yeah, maybe it affects you know single one out performances where they're going for a an actual time. Well, I think regardless of it, though, like at those championships, I don't. They should have it just for the viewing, like put it on the TV on the cameras. I know they have the ability to do it exactly like they do in the swimming. So yeah. I just can't see that line in the pool, obviously. But I don't know why they couldn't do the same thing with the running. But obviously, championship racing, they're not running for record times. They're not going to be. There wouldn't be any lights to put down because no one races for a time yeah. at those big championships anyway. So I think it becomes irrelevant. They wouldn't. Like they wouldn't know what time to put. Like if they put the lights of the world records at the Olympics, and they don't, no one goes near the world records generally at the Olympics because everyone's just going for the win. They don't care about the time. So I think they wouldn't. There'd be no point in doing it anyway. 
Except, but anyway, except, I like it. except for David Rashida in the eight hundred. He's, yes. he's a different beast. I don't think he'd look at him anyway. You know he who, wouldn't know. You know, who I, anyway. you know who I think would just be the end, full stop, no more arguments would be Bruce McAvaney, this the godfather <laughs> of athletics, track and field. If he says it's okay, it's okay. Bruce, whatever you say, send us a comment, Bruce. If you listen to this, where I'm, like, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's listening. I'm sure he's listening. He'd be all over it. He'd be all over it. So, um, yeah. Now, Kyle, I just want to mention, uh, as I said at the start, so UTA. For those people who were training for it, um, I don't know. I guess we all expected it. They've kind of said that for residents of Queensland, uh, people outside New South Wales, they've been given option to defer for next year. So I imagine a lot of people are going to be doing that, uh, which now, as a result, brings up a lot of interest in upcoming races, which mm-hmm. we, we've got a glut of races, don't we? Because so you've got all these people who are getting trained getting race ready for the 50 and the 100 and the you know, 22 at UTA, and all of a sudden, bang, they're out of that. They've deferred for next year. And now, what do we go in? We got Blackhall, tenth of October. We got Brisbane Trail Ultra, third and fourth of October. A week before, yeah. Yep. We got the Glasshouse, you know, fifty and hundred and hundred miler on the twelfth and thirteenth of September. Maybe that's a bit too soon to to jump across to that one if you haven't been training for that. Um, we've got uh, GC fifty, haven't we? In the summer, we've got. Coastal High. Coastal High, end of November. We've got Up the Buff. There's a lot going on. All those things. So, um, oh, and um, so called the Guzzler as well. The Guzzler, which I think is November as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how packed these fields get. You'd imagine they'll go close to selling out now. Um, You'd have to think so. It's just a case of, well, I mean, we do have a lot of races, and whether that's going to water down the front end of the field a bit in terms of the podiums and stuff like that, I I don't know. But, um, well, I think it definitely will. Like, if, especially if people aren't traveling from interstate, if it's just Queensland runners in these races, then yeah. it's definitely going to competition won't necessarily be there in some of these races. So, yeah, which is I think uh, at the moment it's okay. It's good to see everyone being able to race anyway. Yeah, and then there's a couple of um, shorter distances coming up, aren't there? There's the flirt with dirt um, on the 30th of of August. So that's uh, not too far away. That's race two. I think that's down at Mudrabar, down that way. Am yeah, right? yep. I think so. Um, and then this weekend coming up, there's race two of the Gold Coast uh, Run GC 10K, uh, which I'm going in. Are you going in that one? Yeah, the run. plan at this stage is to run, definitely. And then um, Queensland Cross Country State Championships, as we said, uh, 5th of September at Limestone Park at Ipswich. And if I was to pick anything out of that, one that I think people might not go into, which I think they should, is the Gold Co- is the Queensland Cross Country, you know, you know, we've got lots of road races and things, but maybe try something different. Maybe the, this is the time where you can jump into something a bit different. That's right. Um, Why not? This is the time to do it. And it's a lot of fun. So uh, plenty coming up, plenty of races, and we're going to – we'll cover those in our next episode in a couple of weeks' time. But um, anything else, Kyle? Anything that's caught your attention over the last couple of weeks that I've interested well, you? Well, one thing, what, this is more of just a public service announcement to everyone, yes. is I've seen a number of people doing time trials <sighs> – on a track and running off their watch, not the track. Is that right? Yes. And not that, you know, every each other do whatever you want to do. But if you run 5,000 metres on your watch on the track, you are definitely not running five kilometres. I can guarantee it's probably at least 4.7, 4.8. But I've seen a few people posting their new five-kilometre PBs on the track with 5.00 on their files, which I then went into their runs and counted the laps <laughs> that they did. And they definitely did not run 12 and a half laps. So just for people out there, the track is much more accurate than your GPS watch. So don't think that the track's off if your watch is saying five kilometres. It's yeah. 12 and a half laps. And, um, we, Public service announcement for the week. Absolutely. And because we've, I mean, we listen to all sorts of different podcasts, don't we? Some running, some not. But we've heard 
this exact topic talked about on a couple of other podcasts where people have even said, you know, if you're doing a, a, a time trial and it's 21.1 kilometres, that's not a half marathon because you would never get that in a race. You would always have to run a couple of hundred metres long or if you're stopping at 42.2 you know, or 42.3, then that's not good enough. You've got to go to about 42.7. So, uh, interesting yeah but i think on the track you can't like that's just that's just people not realizing that the their watch is not going to be accurate on the track so just so everyone knows if you run with your watch on the track it is going to tell you you're running much faster than you're actually running so go off the track you are track hardened now aren't you? you don't you know the yep and now you, you you're stalking other people's track performances just to just to make sure it's okay. Well, it's also, I feel bad for these people because they're going to be like, oh, smash my PB. And then they're going to go run a race and go, oh, how have I got someone fit yeah, all of a sudden? Yeah. When... <laughs> Absolutely. That's all right. Absolutely. So, so which, before we go, which which race, apart from the one this weekend, the, the uh, Run GC uh, 10, what else are you looking at? There's got to be something else. In there. Um, oh, I'm starting to get the itch to go back onto the trails. Like yep. I said, I've been doing a lot more road stuff lately, but I'm just... I actually went out and did Goat Loop 5.0 last Friday and just, just to take a crown back. Yep. Yeah, well, there's definitely more time in it, but I wanted to go out and just take a few minutes off the crown. So I got that one at the moment. So I was I kind of ran that and went, yeah, I reckon I've got the itch to get back on the trails. So kind of looking through that list, because I know a lot are going to kind of sell out. Um, oh, I, I, I would rather do a more runnable one like Glasshouse, hmm. but starting at like three o'clock or whatever time it starts that'd be interesting i don't know if i'm gonna be able to get up there for that yeah. um i don't know i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do I'm, I, I'm to be honest i'm starting to almost lean back towards coastal high in november uh-huh. which i kind of which i don't know that's kind of caught my attention a little bit so yeah. either that i think blackhall sold out i could go up to blackhall mm. look, there's to, a lot of races everything's up in the air at the moment look to be honest i don't, I don't think you want to be racing at 3 a.m in the morning uh i know how you love your sleep so as someone who's doing the 50k myself i don't really want you there okay so <laughs> because it's gonna, it's gonna push you back so much what i'm actually doing at the moment i said it to a few guys this morning i, I mentioned the 3am as well i said it's too early guys don't do it don't do it it's too early knowing for well that they would just bump me back a spot so my tactic at the moment is just try and persuade people who i know would beat me just to just to enjoy the sleeping just do the 100 it's true do the 100 do the 100 mile do anything else but don't don't do the 50 do something else. That's a fair call. Yeah, give the rest of us a Well, maybe. Maybe I'll go to Glasshouse 50. <laughs> so you kind of sold it. It actually sounds quite good. Nice runnable course. Absolutely. You might, time of year weather-wise, yeah, it won't be too hot. You might just get a little flick of the ankle 100 metres into that, though, from someone behind you. <laughs> so um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll 10K see. this weekend, though. What's your prediction before we finish? <clears throat> what are you going to run on Sunday? Oh. Um, 30. Come on, 60, throw it out there. 36.52. Oh, 36. I like it. I like the confidence. I had a nice, I had a really nice tempo last Thursday around the lake and I felt really good and I felt comfortable. I know I've dropped a couple of kilo as well since the training's gone up. I probably feel two, three kilos lighter. Right. Um, and I, PB. PB. When you get to my age, I know PB's, PB's change. Like you've got your, your high school PB, you've got your under 20 PB, you've got your under 30. Uh, what's, what's your PB? What's your lifetime PB for 10K? Uh, 35 and a half. So, so you're not far off. I did that. You could do that. I did that at high, I did that at high school many, many years ago on a very hilly course around Brisbane. Um, so, uh, but I haven't run that as an adult, so I'd be, yeah, I'd be delighted. But you know, when you, you know, when you're doing your easy jogs and you get up in the morning and you're just feeling, I don't know, something feels lighter at the moment. I just feel like I'm floating a bit more in my easy jogs. I don't have that 
heaviness. So I'd, I mean, I haven't, I don't weigh myself. I'd, I'm not really interested in that too much. Um, but I just feel lighter. So I don't know. It's, it's, I've, I've just could be on for a, for a surprisingly good time this weekend. I've just got to go out and, and, put myself on pace at 5k and then to see what happens if it's if it's a good day it's a good day if it's not then you just got to accept it and i think it's supposed to be about five degrees with a 20k an hour westerly so it could be it's nice that's good be like be like your childhood weather running around you'll enjoy it that's good probably thrive in that um so yeah as i said in the past my weakness is racing and my weakness is executing on the day and you know no matter how good i'm feeling in training i'm hitting all the numbers and the splits that i want i've got to get used to executing at these short fast races so whatever comes of it it'll be a good good experience and it will make me fitter and faster and better which is what i want so i like it what about you Give us a- uh i would i'd like to try and run so I'll, this is actually what i'm interested in is what this is going to feel like because like i said last time i would never i've never raced 10k before i did that one on the track to see what my time compares like now, I don't know if I might have someone to run with. I might be running by myself, but yeah. what my time compares like on the road versus the track. In my head, I'm thinking I'm going to run slower than what I ran on the track, but I don't know. I'd, I'd love to think I could kind of go around maybe, like in my head, I'm thinking 33.15 to 33.20. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe I could run a little bit quicker. It might be a bit slower. I mean, it depends what the weather's like. If it's super windy and I'm by myself the whole time, it might be a bit slower. But yeah. I'd be interested to see what it feels, even if the time's slower, what it feels like to run it on the road versus the track. So that's probably the thing I'm interested in the most. What are you hoping to put yourself at 5K at? Because I guess that's the first thing you can control, isn't it? You put yourself at um, 5K mark. I'll probably try and go th- – I, I probably will try and go through 5K in – somewhere around just over 16.30, which when I did the track, I went through in 16.29 and then went a little bit quicker in the second half. I reckon I'll try and go through in 16.35 to 16.40 and then see what happens. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I'll look forward to seeing you on the return journey then as you're, good. As you're, as you're flying back. So, uh, yeah, so, yep, hopefully we'll bump into a few people down there at the uh, at the race and we'll see you out there training and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you at all these ultras. We're going to get out and try and cover as many of them as we can and talk about them and um, have a few interviews with some of the winners and some of the people who've you know maybe done it for the first time and things like that so yeah whatever you have uh, coming up race hard and uh, train smart I guess enjoy it recover sleep well eat well Definitely. recover well yourselves <laughs> alright guys thanks very much see ya <laughs>